Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. From KQBD in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, heavy rains and snow last night pummeled parts of California, bringing with it flooding and avalanche risks and power outages. Evacuation warnings became orders in parts of Santa Cruz County and along the Central Coast, and the rain prompted flash flood warnings in the Central Valley. Governor Gavin Newsom expanded an earlier state of emergency yesterday to now include dozens of counties. This storm is just the latest in a series of storm systems battering the Golden State this winter. Tell us how you've been affected after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Most of California is now under some kind of weather advisory, warning, or watch as an atmospheric river storm brings heavy rain and even fresh snow to parts of the state still trying to dig out from storms that hit two weeks ago. Life was just beginning to return to normal in the San Bernardino County mountains this week after more than 100 inches of snow fell there, trapping residents in their homes for days, some without heat as supplies of food and medicine ran low. We're taking stock this hour of the impact California's severe weather has had and is having. And on the line now, we have Katie K. Mead in Lake Arrowhead, which got hit hard by the blizzard two weeks ago. Katie, welcome to Forum. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really glad to have you. Before we get into what all the snow was like, I'm curious, has it rained much yet where you are? Uh, It did rain earlier in the season, but we haven't had rain in quite a few weeks before this uh, most recent crazy snow event. Yeah. Uh, Are you worried about impacts from the rain that's on the way with this atmospheric river? Rain on all that snow? Uh, We're all very, very worried about it and trying to get ahead of it a bit with sandbagging and uh, clearing the drainage. Oh, wow. Because you have already been through a lot already. I understand the snowstorm actually trapped you in your home for several days. When was that? Oh, my gosh. Um, We actually just got out um, at the beginning of this week. We were trapped home for about 10 days with two little boys. Uh, So as you can imagine, it was quite the experience. Um, We're really enjoying our freedom at the moment, I have to say. Yeah, actually, to be honest, I cannot imagine how that must have been. For people who haven't experienced that before, what would you like to tell them about what it feels like to be snowed in? Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, I used to think that it was this romantic thing, right? Living in, I used to live in a place that didn't snow and I thought, oh my gosh, like, snow is beautiful and, and all of this. And it is beautiful. But uh, what really 
made this time a lot harder than previous times was watching our community slowly start to suffer as we realized the magnitude of what we were facing. You know, by the second or third day, our social networks were all starting to kind of show what was unfolding around us. And that was the hardest part. Being home is, you know, it gets challenging after a few days, but coming out of COVID times, it's, we're kind of used to it in a way. Um, but I have to say a lot of people were definitely drawing the parallels between COVID isolation and, uh, and Nomageddon because they are, you know, they were kind of similar. Like there were definitely moments of, of frustration and sadness uh, throughout the whole thing. What was unfolding around you? What were you seeing in terms of the suffering of your neighbors? Gosh. Um, we don't receive this much snow. We we are a mountain resort town, and we do get snow, uh, but usually it's a couple of feet at a time. So we just, uh, on a local level, the people, people weren't as prepared as, as maybe we should have been, but we've never had this before. Uh, the county and the state don't feel like they were prepared for this either. So uh, what we were seeing were just a lot of people who were needing food, they were needing medical attention, they were needing prescriptions, and the help just wasn't coming. You know, we were all depending on our snow plows, which we usually have during a normal storm. We're plowed, the streets get plowed as soon as the storm starts. But this time around, we didn't see plows until several days into it. And by the time they came, there was just too much snow for the normal equipment to handle. So uh, the sad stories started showing up on maybe day four or five, and it's just really gotten worse from there. In terms of the, the response, what were authorities telling you about why they were starting to plow later than normal? Uh, and do you still have questions about the response? The response is definitely still um, a big question for our entire community. Um, we didn't start to question it until it started to become obvious that help wasn't coming, um, until we started to see four or five feet of snow on our roads, making them impassable for basically everyone. Um, at that point, our amazing community started to come together and started to put pressure on our local authorities to see what their plan was for both clearing our roads and also getting essential supplies to the people who needed them because we did lose uh, two of our three grocery stores in this. So not only were people trapped in their homes, but when they were able to get out, getting to basic supplies became nearly impossible. Wow. Well, we have been hearing some stories of how local people really tried to help each other out. Is there one that you want to share before I let you go? Oh my gosh, so many. I've been so incredibly inspired through this whole thing about how much our community has come together. I've never seen anything like it. It's been really the, the silver lining in this whole thing is what an amazing community we have. Uh, you know, I think the stories that stick out to me most are the elderly people who posted on Facebook with their address, with their story. A lot of people who had recently lost spouses. I went to help a woman who was 78 and just lost her husband and was down like a hundred foot driveway um, to help her dig out. And there are just so many of those stories. And I really just have to hand it to everyone in our community because they've been amazing. Well, Katie K. Mead, I'm so glad you weathered the snow and I hope you stay warm and dry through the rains. Thank you so, so much. 
Katie Gaymead is a resident of Lake Arrowhead. And joining me now is Hannah Leike, a reporter with the San Bernardino Sun and Southern California News Group. Thanks for being with us, Hannah. And Hannah, are you there? Hi, thank you for having me. Um, and we yes, just I heard am. how um, Katie was affected and some of the challenges. I don't know if there's something you would like to add in terms of the biggest impacts you heard from residents in your reporting. Yeah, um, well, really, we've seen that this community, by and large, there's definitely been a sense that they have to turn inwards and rely on one another. Um, there's definitely been a lot of anxiety about whether help is coming. There are folks who are without their medications. I spoke to a woman who didn't have, um, who can get her glucose monitors delivered because her, her road wasn't plowed and there was so much snow. Um, someone who was in hospice and couldn't get care. Um, and roofs caving in, there's been fires, there's been so many layers of of stress that have been caused to this community. Um, and they've really turned inward and um, are relying on one another. Um, while these state and local agencies are trying to help, but um, there's not really a sense of, you know, exactly where that help may come from or when it's coming. Um, so I would say this community is really turning to, to each other. Yeah, actually, on Wednesday, my colleague, KQED producer Keith Mizuguchi, spoke to San Bernardino County Sheriff Shannon Dykus about some of the issues with the response. And this is what uh, Shannon Sheriff Shannon Dykus had to say. I think the residents are seeing real results up there and um, and we're handling things. One of the things unique about the mountain community up there that people don't understand, and I know we've been criticized for not getting outside help. I've got about 700 firefighters up there. Our fire chief is managing this. We have managed fires and floods and even a terrorist attack in this county. And unfortunately, we're very um, skilled in this area. And as you can imagine, 90 pieces of equipment, 700 firefighters, 60 law enforcement folks, not including CHP and a lot of our other allies that are up there. You can only have so many folks in that area clearing snow and doing those things. Too many people, you become ineffective. Well, Hannah, one of the things that we're hearing is now that people have been getting up there and wellness checks have been happening, that we're hearing reports of several people being found dead in their homes. Um, Only one, as I understand it, has been directly attributed to the storm. Is that still the case? And, And do residents feel like that's an accurate number, that only one death is attributable to the storm? Yeah, I would say so that number is still what the official answer is. Um, It was a 93-year-old woman. Um, A relative actually told um, a reporter on our team that she had appeared to be healthy. But I would say there is definitely a sense of, you know, there are questions remaining. Um, There have been um, about eight deaths uh, since the storms uh, occurred, but authorities have only said that one one has been Nobody has said it's like directly because of the storm, but I would say that there are definitely some questions and residents want to know, have a little bit more sense of transparency about um, when the deaths happen, how they happened, um, those sorts of questions. And, and curious what you think of what the sheriff just said there in terms of an explanation for the slow response. You know, I will say that um, I think that there's been several agencies coordinating um, and it's, I mean, it's just kind of unclear for like residents, you know, there's several communities, whether you're in Crestline or like Arrowhead, some people are telling me that they've seen the National Guard knocking on their door during wellness check, doing wellness checks. And some people are saying, I've never seen anybody. So it's just kind of hard for residents, I think, to gauge what they're going to get depending on where they are in the mountain. Um, and it's, and it's, 
it's contributing to some concerns because, you know, if you hear on Facebook, there's been so many groups talking about, you know, getting each other help, but also people are saying, I saw the National Guard here, or I saw firefighters, you know, we've had firefighters also coming from different counties here in Southern California, like on, you know, Orange County and Riverside County, but there's not really a sense of what to expect. And I think that has maybe contributed to that sense that, well, if I don't know what to expect, how do, how can I guarantee there will be help for me when I need it? And, and is life returning to normal? Or what kind of help do people still need now? I mean, I think people need help with everything from getting their prescriptions. I've heard, had several people reach out to me and say, I, they're, the pharmacies have been closed. I don't know where to get a prescription. You know, uh, the guest mentioned earlier that the grocery stores, several of them have closed. Um, so getting food and people are just posting on Facebook, hey, I need some food or I need help for my pets. And people are also wondering, well, how can I get, you know, my car out from under all of the snow? Um, and so I think they need help with everything from basic necessities, like, you know, making sure they have enough food and, uh, to getting snow out of their driveway or even snow out of their front door so that they can even walk outside of their house if they need to. Um, so it's really still a lot of basics that people are in need of right now. Wow. We just have 30 seconds, but what are people being warned to be on the lookout for with the rains coming rain on top of snow? Yeah, so the rain could be a concern for flooding that could happen. There's also a concern about um, the rain adding additional weight. A lot of roofs have been quite um, burdened by the weight of the snow, and people have even reported to me that they've had cracks in their roof. So concerned about that um, and also just complicating the rescue efforts that are already underway and already complicated by the the sheer volume of snow that are in the roads and in um around people's homes and it's hard for people to authorities to access them when there's this much snow. Well, Hannah Leike, thank you so much for bringing us these stories. Hannah Leike is a reporter for the San Bernardino Sun, and we'll have more about the impacts of California's severe weather after the break. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're hearing this hour how Californians are managing severe weather and what to expect in the days to come as another round of major storms hits the state. We want to hear from you listeners how you've been affected by the rain or snow California has had or is having, what questions you might have about severe storms or California's weather outlook, things that you're doing to prepare. You can email forum at kqed.org. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum. Call us at 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. 
You can tell us ways that you've been affected, big or small. Joining me now is Jerry Diaz, newsroom meteorologist for the San Francisco Chronicle. Jerry, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Just before the break, we were hearing from our guests, Hannah Leike and Katie K. Mead, concerns about the rain falling on top of snow. Can you just give us in a little bit more detail what the worries are around lots of rain falling on lots of snow? What are the kinds of problems it can create? Right. And the best way to think about it is this kind of snow that's falling now over the region it's very different from what we've had in the past couple of months. So whereas snow in the Sierra usually will have what we call a one to 10 ratio, for every one inch of rain, we get 10 inches of snow. Right now, it's looking like it's more of a one to 15 ratio. So for every one inch of rain, we get 15 inches of snow. You get that extra snow over some of these uh, remote communities. And on top of that, you get this heavier slush that develops because you have a combination of both rain and snow and that leads to very heavy snow that unfortunately can cause uh, damage to homes and potentially even have some roof collapses. So it's this culmination of those two factors that create this compounding concern uh, for residents who are in those remote areas in the Sierra Nevada. Wow. And then, of course, we've been hearing that there's a lot of concern for people who are living in elevations like Lake Arrowhead elevations between 4,000 and 7,000 feet or so. Why is this area of concern here, this elevation an area of concern? Right. And so the best way to describe it is when you get to those elevations, not only are you dealing with that extra snowpack, but you're also dealing with the compounding concern of those strong winds that affect the region there. So for instance, in Lake Arrowhead, uh, where they've already seen gusts in excess of 60 miles per hour, now you have blowing snow. So even if the snow does does begin to peter out this afternoon, unfortunately, they'll also have that blowing, dusting, and the snow that will compound uh, and raise some of that snowpack uh, potentially around some of those villages and roadways. So in, a, in essence, it's a combination of both the snowpack and then also those blizzard conditions, those strong winds, accumulating snow, and then that and then, of course, that uh, compound of more heavy accumulations on some of those rooftops. Yeah. So so let's turn more specifically to what aspects of atmospheric river storms make this a particularly vulnerable period for California. First, can you just remind us why atmospheric rivers are called what they are? <laughs> sure. Of course, Mina. And yes, the best way to describe it is if we picture it, we have this plume of moisture that's floating over the atmosphere. And so what happens is every now and again, you'll have this very narrow band, all of this moisture from Hawaii that makes its way east towards California. It's a very narrow band, only about 100 to 200 miles across, but it's almost like it's directed right toward the coast. And really, in a lot of ways, it does behave like a river in the sky. All of that moisture, that water vapor, rushes toward California. And once it makes it here, it condenses and turns into rain and snow. Now, the challenge here is that when you have these rivers that form in the atmosphere, this all of this moisture essentially then raises very prolonged periods of rain and snow over the region. So now you have this situation where California, which just went through a, quite a few, a few years there with very minimal rain, suddenly you have all of this rain coming down at once it raises that concern for more flooding because the soils just haven't been equipped for dealing with that amount of, of water over such a short span of time. 
So tell me the places right now in California that are being hit hardest by this current atmospheric river storm. We have a tiny reprieve in some areas, but of course, more rain is on the way. Where is the flood potential the highest? Right. So right now, it, just uh, looking around the region uh, this morning, the Santa Cruz Mountains are still in the bullseye for a lot of uh, this uh, flooding concern because they unfortunately uh, received a lot of what we prefer to those southwest winds. So winds blew in from the southwest, brought in that moisture over the mountains, and they received a lot of heavy rainfall overnight. That also led to a lot of mudslides that have blocked some of the roads and rivers and streams in the region. So those mountains are now dealing with a lot of runoff, or, and that runoff will continue through the rest of the day, uh, just adding on to that uh, to those uh, rainfall totals and some of the some of those spots in the over in Scotts Valley, Felton, a lot of those communities. So unfortunately for them, they are going to be dealing with those, those flooding concerns through the rest of the day. The good news is that flood waters are receding around some of the rivers. So the San Lorenzo, it's starting to recede slowly. So we'll see those improving conditions through the weekend, but we do still expect more rounds of rain uh, over the next few days. So that unfortunately will limit how quickly that river is able to recede. Are you getting a little bit more of a sense right now as to how intense those next rounds of rain will be? Yes. So right now we are expecting another round of what we refer to as that atmospheric river storm uh, for Monday and Tuesday. So we will see, unfortunately, an additional two to three inches of rain potentially across the wider Bay Area, higher totals, of course, in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and then also in west and south facing slopes in the region. And unfortunately, that will raise another round of potential flooding concerns around some of our rivers. That includes concerns potentially for some of our streams uh, and, uh, and urban flooding uh, as we kind of continue in this wet pattern. I do want to mention that one of the main uh, caveats here is that we do expect this wet pattern to continue at least for the next few days. So it is important for residents to kind of stay on alert uh, as we continue through uh, this essentially this uh, this wet March pattern that we've uh, we've seen just across not just the Bay Area, but across California. We're talking with Jerry Diaz, newsroom meteorologist for the San Francisco Chronicle. We're talking about the latest severe storms drenching California. And you, our listeners, are joining the conversation with your comments on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum, or by emailing forum at kqed.org. This listener writes, born in late 1958, I'm old enough to remember when seasons were fairly predictable. Whether fall, winter, spring, or summer, seasons came and went within expected time frames and were heralded by age-old familiar signs. 100-year-old floods really were that rare. Droughts were measured in years, not decades, and temperatures mostly fluctuated between easily tolerable highs and lows. That world is gone, and of course, that's because of all the things we did and didn't do. I think about all the people hurt by this new reality, but I also think of all the wild things, the plants, animals, insects that are fighting for their survival. We must do everything we can to turn climate chaos around. Wow, that was very poetic. I guess it's making me ask, is what we're seeing, is this a snow right? Is what we're seeing basically what California has in store from now on? Is the world gone of the predictable weather patterns that we've seen? And the best way to describe it, I mean, that, that really is a powerful message there. Uh, you know, in the past 30, 40 years, we have seen this trend where those seasons that we would have, the wet season, the dry season, they have become much more extreme, you know, over the decades. Uh, 
just in the past three years, we went through a series of very dry winters. And now we've gone from that to this very dramatic shift into a very short span of time where we've seen very large quantities of rainfall. So the challenge here is that we're seeing those extremes that, that swing in the pendulum, if you will. Uh, we go from very dry, long duration periods of drought to a sudden rush of moisture that leads to some flood, major flooding concerns. Soil simply can't keep up with those dramatic shifts. Uh, you go several years where the soils don't have much moisture to work with, you dump all that rain on them and suddenly those soils just simply can't hold on to that water. So it is a question of how will the, you know, the, the state essentially uh, adjust to this changing environment where we have these extremes happen so much more frequently between our seasons. Well, on the line now, we have Bob Thurman, who lives just outside Nevada City in the Sierra foothills, which is still digging out from snow. But now at that elevation that's vulnerable to flooding, Bob Thurman, thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, you're welcome. How long have you lived in or near Nevada City, I should say? Um, yeah, I live about a mile and a half out of sort of downtown Nevada City. And I've lived here for about... Um, uh, 16 years now. Can you tell us about the snow you recently got first? Have you seen anything like that? No, no um, uh, not since we've we've lived here. I mean, you know, we're used to inches of snow and what we've uh, received here recently is, is many feet uh, of snow and certainly weren't really uh, prepared for that. And there are people that have lived here you know, much longer than I have, 30 years plus, um, who are saying they've never seen um, this much uh, snow, at least cumulatively. Well, we were just talking with Jerry Diaz about these sort of dry years followed by this incredible wet year. And I understand that, that falling trees have been a pretty big problem where you are. What have you seen related to falling trees? Well, personally, um, I've got um, a number of trees that have come down, you know, uh, 110, 120-foot pine that just clipped one of our, uh, part of our barn shed, oh, and uh, fortunately, no one was, was hurt, um, and just, you know, trees down everywhere. Um, we, neighbors have been helping neighbors, uh, you know, we've been cutting trees that have fallen across our road um, and helping uh, other neighbors who are a little bit more elderly, um, you know, cut trees away from their driveways. Um, in many cases, people don't have sort of access in or out, whether it's because of the snow or because of, of trees coming down. And more recently, what's probably maybe just as bad is with a combination of, of snow and rainfall, um, the uh, roof loading gets worse, gets heavier, um, at least just long enough to collapse roofs, uh, which has already happened in um, several, um, several locations. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a mess here. Still a lot of people without power um, and um, some people still can't get access sort of in or out, uh, you know, so relying on volunteer snow plowers to help. Yeah. Um, but the, the rain, you know, is sort of a mixed blessing, right? The rain has a, <laughs> um, even though it increased the roof load temporarily and has caused some damage in that regard, 
um, you know, the blessing is that it's melting. Um, it's helping to melt some of the snow. It's a, you know, it's a warmer uh, storm. So, right. Have you seen much rain there? <laughs> um, yeah, last night was, um, uh, we apparently got about two and a half inches last night. Wow. Um, according mm -hmm. to what I've heard. And it was a lot of, of rain. Um, and, but, but for us at this elevation, we're at about 3000 feet for us. The, the, the problem more so is wind. Um, so we've already got weakened trees from years of drought and, you know, bark beetle and, 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 and more recently the snow, uh, which has stressed the trees, but then you add wind on top of that. Um, which we had about mm, 30 to 40 mile an hour gusts last night. Um, uh, I, I don't even know, quite honestly. Um, I haven't gone out and explored yet too much to see what uh, other trees or branches have, have come down. Wow. And again, you're just underscoring the the effect of very dry conditions and then very wet conditions with those drought weakened trees. Um, I understand that you also had to deal with being without power for a long time as well. How did you deal with that? Um, well, we, we were out of power for, for two weeks. Um, wow. But, um, the, you know, the good news, at least for, for us, is that we have a generator. Um, the, the bad news is that the generator runs off propane. And uh, unless you were well prepared and have a large tank of propane, um, to run your generator, you run out of propane and the, and the fuel trucks can't get to you. Um, uh, in fact, when I, when we were getting so low on propane, I went down to, to, uh, the gas company, um, it's called feral gas. And they said they had 6,000 requests for propane and, you know, they just can't, couldn't keep up with the demand. So people are running out of propane, um, which then stops their generators, uh, and then, of course, no heat. Uh, and in fact, I might, if somebody might be coming here, <laughs> interrupt the call. Um, <laughs> we can let heater, you go if that's the case. No, no, my heater, uh, my, one of the things that happened during this is my heater went, uh, went out. And so um, uh, I'm actually waiting for a heating company to come and repair oh. our heater. heater. Um, but, uh, I, you, know, I, you know, we there are many more people that, that have it much worse than, 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 than we do. We're not, we're not complaining. Um, we were perhaps unprepared uh, for the extent, I think, as, as many people might have been. Uh, so it's always sort of constant lessons learned um, kind of uh, process, I guess, um, you know. Yeah. But um, I, I sort of liken it as kind of, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, when the snow first started to sort of fall, you know, it's like, it's so pretty, right? And then it's kept falling. And then our neighbor's kids were playing in, in the snow. And, and, you know, I remember when I lived in the Bay Area, it was sort of like, you know, earthquakes, right? Oh, isn't this kind of a fun ride? Um, you know, not really realizing the serious nature of what could happen. Um, and, and that's sort of what's happened with the snowfall is it just kind of kept snowing um uh, to the point where it's obviously created um, a, a lot of problems yes yes i know the early uh, in social media were people having fun in this incredible snow and beautiful snow and then it quickly turned to we are really in in a dire situation now um yeah 
Do you worry that this type of weather will become more common where you are? Do you ever, you move from the Bay Area, do you ever think about maybe it's not something you, you can take long term? Uh, well, you know, the thought crosses your mind, uh, but, you know, um, who, who knows, right? I mean, there are, there are, there are a, a lot of positives, in my view, to living up in, up in this, in this area. It's, it's, it's beautiful. You know, you do get four seasons. Of course, didn't expect quite this extreme of a, of a, of a winter season, but, um, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, you can't help but think that, oh, well, am I going <laughs> to, if this is going to continue, uh, you know, we have no clue, but um, you, you sort of have to live today, right? And, and, and make the best of it. Yeah. We just have less than a minute, but I know that you're the board president of Interfaith Food Ministry of Nevada County. Can people get to the food and other provisions that you're providing them? Uh, in, in some cases, they can. Certainly the demand is, is extremely high uh, for supplemental food, for groceries that we provide. We serve about ten to 13,000 um, Nevada County residents. Um, and, you know, the people that are able to come in are coming in and um, there are quite a number, but there are also people that are homebound and uh, we work with our Meals on Wheels program. And also um, we have another nonprofit that's called Speedy Carts that that are helping um, uh, pr- deliver food um, for homebound uh, individuals. Um, and w- we also have a flat roof building that um, I've contacted a structural engineer to make sure that our building is safe uh, because it's an older building, um, you know, 30 plus years mm. old. Um, and so we're, we've got, kind of got that in the back of our mind too with the, yeah. the snow loading issues. But, so much you know, to consider. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, Bob, I really hope you get your heat working. <laughs> and uh, thanks so much for helping us understand what's happening near Nevada City. Bob Thurman is a resident who lives near Nevada City. We've got Jerry Diesta with us, meteorologist for the San Francisco Chronicle. And you, our listeners, sharing your thoughts and questions about the severe weather that California is having. Stay with us for more after the break. I'm Mina Kim. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. How have you been affected in ways big or small by the severe weather California's been having? That's what we're talking about today. And you can tell us by calling 866-733-6786, finding us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum, or by emailing your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org. What are your questions about the severe storms or California's weather outlook? What have you been doing to prepare for? What's what? What is to come? Some of the concerns that people are saying about rain and snow coming to California in the coming days, as well as happening right now in some parts. Have you been thinking about ways to adapt to the recent weather or trying to do things differently to do so? Join the conversation. Jerry Diaz is with us, a newsroom meteorologist for the San Francisco Chronicle. And listener Holly writes, in addition to the appropriate focus on personal impacts of the recent weather, I hope that these extreme weather events generate greater concern about climate change, the longer-term pattern of much more frequent and intense extreme weather. Younger people might not realize how unusual it is to have so many extreme storms, fires, floods, mudslides, droughts here, and all around the world. Jerry, you know, I would add to that list avalanches. I've been hearing about avalanche concerns. Where is the potential for that the greatest? Yeah, and I mean, that's a really great point because avalanches are sometimes uh, kind of left out of that conversation for the severe winter weather, uh, especially in the messaging. But we do have that raised concern. I you know, want to, want to throw out there that we do expect another additional three to five feet of snow above 7,000 feet in elevations in the Sierra Nevada by Monday and Tuesday. That is in the forecast. So the additional snow on top of all the snow that we've already had and now compounded with the fact that we also expect for this to be on, still on the heavier side, unfortunately, that will lead to a risk where we could see some avalanches, particularly over on the eastern slopes of the Sierra Nevada. So you know, if you're talking about uh, areas near uh, some of those ski resorts, one that comes to mind is right around Kirkwood, uh, you know, those areas in the central Sierra Nevada, where we've had this uh, very just just large snowpack where we're running already 300 uh, percent what's normal for this time of the year unfortunately there is that raised risk where we could have uh, avalanches in some of those mountainsides uh, whether or not uh, that is something that uh, we end up seeing a uh, more widespread across the rest of the sierra nevada that's still left to be seen but at least for the central sierra right now there is that elevated concern hmm. well right now we have on the line Mike Scrivano, a contractor and owner of North Lake Home Services in Truckee. Mike, thanks so much for being on with us. Yeah, thank you, Mina. And Jerry is just describing the snow that Lake Tahoe has had, which you know incredibly well. I understand you have been working <laughs> tirelessly to get snow off people's homes. What's it been like out there? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's definitely been a, been a record year for in in terms of my business um we are every day out there um driving through the two feet of snow on roads that haven't been plowed trying to get to people's houses trying to get um entryways in so people can get in and currently i've just had to tell all my customers that right now all i'm focusing on is uh roofs because um the snow load and some of these roofs are 10 to 20 feet and um we have holes in houses full um just shingles coming off uh windows breaking so we're boarding up windows uh and i did tell everyone you know i I can't focus on certain things right now we're just kind of trying to focus on the 
the, the hazards and getting people into their homes. So a lot of these homes that you're getting the snow off the roofs of, it sounds like you're seeing a lot of damage. A lot of damage, yeah. So it's, it's really unfortunate to see. It's not a, it's not a fun phone call to also make. You know, uh, certain houses. You know, just it's not that so much these these houses can handle the load of the snow structurally. It's well to an extent, but it's the everything else underneath it. The material, the shingles can't handle it. The plywood cracks. You have sheet metal roofs that end up the load pushes the screws up, which then creates holes and voids. So we're dealing with a lot of leaks in houses and. You know, it's uh, it's an unfortunate situation. Yeah, and as you say, having to make that call, how's your crew holding up? Uh, yeah, tired. Yeah, definitely are. That's that's one of the hardest parts here is not not to overwork my guys and um, to keep guys on rotation because, you know, it's backbreaking work. But, um, you know, we try to do it as, uh, you know, as healthy as we can. You know, we bring saws up onto roofs and we cut 15-foot columns and then we drop them down. But the issue is, is that we have no places to put the snow. So we actually bring snow blowers up on about 15 to 20 feet of snow on sides of houses with plywood and ramps. And then we knock the snow into that and we blow it to keep to keep it clear so you don't actually just bury the house. And so it's actually been a very difficult year to manage um, the snow uh, in terms of, you know, just normal roof removal. Wow, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, to think about also where to put the snow. Uh, yeah. Yep. So there, uh, we, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, we've been maintaining uh, people's decks. I have a lot of accounts for customers and now we, we have no place to put the, put the snow to remove it off the snow or off the uh, decks in the hot tubs. So we've actually been bringing snow blowers up through houses. We've been carrying them through and then also from the outside and then putting them on the decks to then move the snow because we just have no place to put it. It's just, it's, it hasn't stopped in a long time. And uh, I think I'm day 20 straight on roofs. It's been wild. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, and with this coming storm or it has already hit in some parts, have you been experiencing that? Is that complicating things for you right now? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. We can't get to some job sites. I was supposed to go to a job two days ago and we had to turn around because the road had two feet of snow on and the wind drift and they're just white out conditions. Um, cause I do a lot of work up at higher elevation, this area called Tala Donner. And, um, we just couldn't get there and it pushes all my schedule back, which makes it very challenging. Um, and you know, today it's raining of course. So now we're dealing with rain and everything's like the town of Truckee is probably going to have some significant flooding. Um, because, mm-hmm been raining for almost 12 hours on top of all the snow and then tomorrow it's going to start snowing again for the foreseeable future so we're just trying to work through it you know and just try to get get some houses in better condition and hopefully save a few yeah well i'm sure you have a lot of people who are really grateful to you mike and and stay safe with with all the flooding concerns yeah. too mike yeah, scrivano is a contractor and owner of north lake home services in Truckee. thanks so much for talking to us no problem thank you And we've got more calls coming in, TJ, in the Santa Cruz Mountains. TJ, you're on. Good morning. Uh, Just to start with some numbers, uh, my my wife and I live um, up on Bear Creek Road. Uh, It's a beautiful location, a view of Scotts Valley all the way down to Monterey Bay. Uh, I'm a native Bay Area, and we've lived in the mountains 25 years. This year, we have been without power for 30 days, totally. Wow. Since September, we have gotten 47 inches of rain, and 
eight to 10 inches of snow that resulted in us being um, snowed in for a couple of days, couldn't even get off our driveway. Um, and this recent storm, I just dropped my family off at a hotel that they've been staying at um, so they can get a shower and a warm meal. Um, obviously, we've lost many refrigerators full of food. And um, last night, as we were sitting there in the storm howling, I said to my wife, I said, you know, um, you want to leave this place? And, and she said, of course not. So it's that kind of same story you always hear. Um, home is home. And we've been through evacuations doing, due to fire, the CZU lightning complex. Thankfully, we were spared. We've had trees come down on our cottage and our roof and all kinds of stuff. And it's our home. And I can't imagine living anywhere else. Oh, TJ, I'm Santa Cruz really has just been through it. And and thank you for helping us understand what that feels like. I am really struck by by you saying that you considered or even just posed the question uh, to your wife about leaving, but you can't imagine living anywhere else. Do you just want to say quickly why? <laughs> well, you know, I, for one thing, it's the tranquility and the beauty and the isolation. And, and you can't have both, right? You can't have protection from power outages. Uh, we live in a redwood forest. You know, we've got uh, we've got hundreds of redwood trees on our property. But I think the other thing past that is the sense of community. And one of your callers earlier uh, in the earlier program, the woman from Lake Arrowhead, um, you know, when we when we were trying to get off the property the uh, last weekend, uh, there were, you know, many there were five or six cars. I carry a chainsaw in my truck with me five or six cars of guys with chainsaws, women uh, and men helping to cut down and clear brush so that we could all get off the mountain. Uh, to be clear, Santa Cruz has been certainly hit. We're Santa Cruz Mountain, so I don't want to claim Santa Cruz. And uh, we're near Boulder Creek, and it's a funky, weird little mountain town. But the sense of community and everyone helping is so important, and you don't find that as much in other areas. So between the peace and the tranquility, I would say the sense of community. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll definitely be monitoring what's happening there since it is such a hot spot. Uh, TJ, thanks for the call. Thank you. And this listener, Tricia, writes, is concentrated snow and rain filling aquifers? How can that be facilitated, especially since we are likely to get dry years? Gosh, Jerry, at the very least, is the drought over? Can we say that? <laughs> Has this well, been enough? <laughs> Well, I, you know, I, I do. It's a, it's interesting. There's been definitely a lot of uh, you know news about the storms' impacts over the past few months, but there is, a, a, in that sense, a little bit of good news there, and that is that uh, the latest drought monitor did just uh, come out earlier this week, and some of the biggest improvements we saw were in the Central Valley. Uh, a lot of that area was under the category of exceptional drought for years, and just uh, this past week, uh, we can now say that, that that area has e exited drought conditions. Uh, so what that means is that the Central Valley, a large portion of it, uh, is no longer uh, in a drought category based on the U.S. drought monitor. So that is a huge improvement that we've seen here in the past three months. Even in the Bay Area, we've gone from severe the severe drought category to abnormally dry, which is the lowest category in the U.S. drought monitor before you exit drought conditions. So again, seeing these huge improvements in the drought conditions is 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 something that, is something that definitely needs to be uh, made, made mention of because it is it is definitely something that uh, we have seen here in the past three months uh, along the coastline, also in the Central Valley, 
Uh, these uh, improvements are something that uh, would not have happened had we not received uh, this amount of rain. The caveat, of course, is that we received a lot of this water over such a short span of time. So will the soils actually be able to absorb all of this moisture? That's still left to be seen. That's more of the long-term drought impacts. So at least, excuse me, at least in the short term, we've seen some great improvements. Will that moisture uh, remain in our soils? That's still something that we'll have to uh, analyze here in the coming years. Are, are there still worries about the rain washing away snowpack? And unfortunately, that is something that we'll have to monitor here in the next few days, because as we get more of these Pineapple Express type of storms, these very warm storms that come in from Hawaii, uh, unfortunately, that will raise uh, some warmer temperatures uh, just slightly above freezing along the foothills of the Sierra. So that will raise a concern for some flooding in, say, the San Joaquin Valley, right along the western foothills of the mountains. Uh, whether or not that's enough to you know, melt away substantial portions uh, of the snowpack, uh, thankfully that's not the concern. Uh, we, we do expect those warmer temperatures in the foothills, but we don't expect a rapid loss of the snowpack. Uh, what we do expect instead is to see that gradual loss in those lower levels uh, of the mountains uh, because of that warmer air. And long-term, what we hope is that we'll see a gradual melting of the snowpack in the next couple of months. Because if that happens, then our reservoirs will have more time to actually take in all of that water. So that's the, that's the hope that we'll uh, have that happen here in the next few months. A gradual mm -hmm. melting of the snowpack would be the ideal scenario. All right. Meteorologist Jerry Diaz. And let me remind listeners, you are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Well, Mark writes, much of California, specifically Southern California, is vulnerable to multiple natural disasters. Specifically, we are overdue for a major earthquake. When that hits, there will be no electric power, no natural gas lines functioning, no water roads will be closed from debris, and no stores will be open. Authorities won't be able to respond to everyone, and these problems will continue for weeks, if not months. We all need to prepare ourselves now for any eventuality. Wow. Well, it's a scary thought, but but Mark's point about preparation, I, I, I do wonder, Jerry, if especially just right at this moment with people under these flood warnings and evacuation advisories, how should they prepare if they need to leave quickly? Hey, right. And yeah, to your point, Mina, I think the, the important thing that residents, especially in the Santa Cruz Mountains, after we've heard those conversations, are the best thing residents can do is to uh, you know take advantage of those com the community uh, around you, you know, make sure that you are all, uh, you know, glued into the weather. Uh, so if you live in those remote communities, whether it be in the Santa Cruz Mountains or the Sierra Nevada, uh, oftentimes the best way, way to uh, receive assistance is uh, through the help from your neighbors. So making sure that you check in on each other, you know, doing those wellness check-ins, uh, and then also planning for the potential for uh, voluntarily evacuating before the bad weather rolls in. Uh, there are several residents out there who have, have those kinds of stories where uh, they've seen that the bad weather was coming and they decided to preemptively evacuate. Uh, that is something that, you, you know, I would highly you know recommend for those who li live in areas that have had a lot of extreme weather in the past few years, uh, especially those, uh, you know, who already have a sense of what their home is uh, capable of, of, of you know, dealing with uh, when it comes to extreme weather. So if you feel the need to evacuate, uh, you you know, you have all the uh, all the right to do so, uh, you know, and uh, so that is something that we would highly advise is, um, you know, getting out of harm's way 
Uh, and then also just staying uh, tuned in to updates uh, from local authorities in your area. Uh, they'll give you the latest on uh, any, any evacuations that are currently underway or that are currently uh, being lifted because some areas will also see those evacuation orders lifted here in the coming days. Yeah. A really quick last cue, or maybe not super quick, but I guess we've been, I asked you about whether the drought is over. I understand this La Nina weather pattern we've been in is considered over. First, can you just remind us what that means? Because there are also now reports that we could swing right into an El Nino period. So just right. remind, give, give us just some context of what that's all about. Sure. Yeah. So the El Nino and La Nina are two global weather patterns that dictate a lot of uh, what ends up playing out here for our winters in California. So La Nina winters tend to coincide with cooler, drier winters. And that's exactly what we saw in the past uh, couple of years, really since the winter of 2020, 2021. And then, of course, our, the start of this winter, we saw you know, that cooler environment. But this winter in particular was a transitional phase because La Nina uh, began to slowly wither away. And we saw that play out in the form of all of these rainstorms that rolled in uh, from September all the way into or where we are now. So with La Nina gone, that means that essentially we are now in what's called a neutral phase. There are currently equal chances of the rest of this uh, season being wet or dry and currently, we've been leaning on the wetter side. And now that as we continue to go forward in time, uh, it does look like we'll be switching over to an El Nino. The, now, the important thing there and the big takeaway for Californians is that El Nino tends to correlate with warmer and wetter winters. So that does, play, uh, that does uh, place the question as to whether or not our next winter will also be uh, warm and wet. Uh, yeah. and, we'll, and we'll get a better sense of that uh, as... Uh, the weather models begin to hone in on the potential for an El Nino winter uh, for 2023 and 2024. California's dramatic. Jerry Diaz, thanks so much. Thank you so much, Mina. Jerry Diaz is the newsroom meteorologist for the San Francisco Chronicle. Also, my thanks to our guests who all called in with their experiences and their reporting on the ground. Blanca Torres produced today's segment. Forum is also produced by Caroline Smith and Grace Wan. Marlena Jackson-Retondo is our engagement producer. And Susie Britton is our lead producer. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Brendan Willard, and Jim Bennett. With help this week from Christopher Beal. Our interns are Lulu Ralda and Jericho Reininger. Our vice president of news is Ethan Tobin Lindsay. Our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Mina Kim. Stay safe this weekend. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? 
It left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts.